Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Fearscape Media Network. Exploring the unknown. One podcast at a time. Hey guys, Stefan here from Fearscape Paranormal Podcast and Misters of the Dark. From now until the end of March, we at the Fearscape Media Network are raising funds to support your favorite FSMN shows throughout the next year. One such way is happening on March 5th from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. I will be offering live Zoom tarot readings under the moniker Phoenix Moon. I have been reading professionally for 20 years and now offer my services to all of you. Proceeds from the event go to support the network. Go to fearscapemedia.com forward slash tarot to sign up for your slot now. There's only 12 available, so get one while they last. Thanks again, and remember, you can always support the network by going to fearscapemedia.com forward slash support. Stay spooky. From Fearscape Media, Peer Beyond the Veil is coming back for a new season this March. We're talking government-sponsored mind control, walking on the edge with DMT, wild occultism and deep parapsychology, along with our signature blend of extraterrestrialism, supernaturalism and cryptid chasing. Bringing you a brand new roster of fascinating guests, each with their own stories and theories on the wild and the wonderful. Peer Beyond the Veil. Find us wherever there's darkness. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Happy that you're able to join us as we continue to explore and try to understand the strange phenomenon that seems to exist all over the world. Stefan and I are on a journey and we share that journey with you. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the most fast-paced and frightening podcast on the mother-trucking planet, Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. That's right. I'm your host, Stefan Gearhart, and I am joined, as always, by my Twinkie-filled co-host, Mr. Josh Rutledge. How are you today, sir? Oh, I'm just full of the cream filling today, my friend. Full of it. I want to I squeeze you, but I'm afraid of what orifices it'll come out of, <laughs> and I'm just not down for that. Yeah, well, I don't really want that to happen either. I'm just um, not down for that. <laughs> moving on. Yeah, um, moving on. Okay. <laughs> fastest we've ever, fastest we've ever moved on from there. <laughs> um, no, we got a crazy uh, episode, and I say that because my dude that we have colloquially named Crazy Boy McGee, Tyler Strand from the hit television show Hellier, is on the program 
tonight. And I said program like a Kentuckian since Hellier's in Kentucky. Um, but yeah, we got Tyler freaking Strand on the show tonight. Man, freaking tastic. Man, he followed a blue Mylar star balloon the entire way to the microphone tonight. Like that's, <laughs> that's what it's all about, man. I feel like there should be an app just called like Mylar Balloon. And you just pull it up, and it's just a picture of a Mylar balloon. <laughs> that, or we might have a moneymaker right here for all the Hellier fans, <laughs> is, is submit your sighting, and then we put a pin into the United States map where people have seen it, and then people can start drawing symbols and shit. Because, man, on those Hellier boards, everybody's like, I saw my star balloon, finally! Um, you know, no. uh, they, uh, they like- love it. I mean, Tyler has created a sensation yeah. in that to be talking to him about. it's like a rite of passage it's like you can't call yourself a hellier fan until you've seen a mylar balloon or a tin can it's or a tin mylar can. even alan greenfield was like i got some shit going on with the tin can <laughs> so so crazy dude i just real quick i was looking at uh like places we can go when i'm there in a couple weeks mm-hmm. um and i found this place called wait you said there you talking about greenwood boat docks no oh like when I'm out in Arizona. Oh, well, they're always met Greenwood Boat Docks. Just give me. Oh, maybe it was for you. In <laughs> high school. A little anyway. old school knowledge for yeah. you. Anywho, I found this place called Tin Can. Um, I don't know. It's like a, what's it called? Anyways, it was like a Tin Can area in the desert out mm-hmm. by you. Well, you remember I showed you that picture of, uh, in South Mountain where my sister and I were hiking, and it was a hole filled with old tin cans. <laughs> yeah, like, right. I wonder if that's where it Just is. used <laughs> up and tossed aside. Just to- well, and they were burnt, too. Like, it looks like oh, somebody was goodness. like, oh, Arizona's a great place to start a fire. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, I mean, it is. You're not going to have a forest fire in the desert. No, you can, man. That brush, cactuses burn. It all burns. Trust me, man. The uh, the place that uh, Trisha and I went to on Halloween with my wife up to uh, that had that big golf ball looking radar thing I showed you about Humboldt Mountain. That had before we had gotten there, I guess over the summer, had been a victim to forest fire. There's no trees out there. It's all mm. brush and grass and cactuses, and and that stuff burns, man. And it catches quick because it's all yeah, dry. It's all so, dried out. Yeah. Anyway, so the name of that place was Tin Can Tank, which I got to look into. There's a lot of things around there called like with tank in the name. Mm-hmm. And I was like, are these like old water tanks? Like, why is it a tank? Like, what's the popularity of something in tank? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, can you buy tank tops there? That's <laughs> <laughs> only if you need that size, of, you know, for your tank. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Oh my God, we are so yeah, dumb. we're totally off the rails. We now. are so dumb. For but real. this is the episode. This is the episode to be off the rails right here. Um, yeah. Hey, actually, that's not far from where I live. I'm looking at it right now. It's not far. See, at all. that's what I'm saying. I was looking to see where we could go. Boom. Yep. And not just close to Phoenix, but like super close to me. It's in the uh, the Sonoran Preserve and the Cave Buttes Recreation Area. It's right around there. That's like just north of me. Well, and apparently there's like some big water reservoir up there. Yeah. Um. And so that's heading towards Shane. Uh, Shane Hurd, that's up his neck of the woods as well. So yeah, yeah. cool beans. All right, well let's get right. moving on so we can get to uh, Mr. Strand. Um, I'm so excited. I love I love Tyler, man. So I'm so excited. Um, but we're gonna get to our first uh, segment of the week as usual, the psychic word of the week. And now the psychic word of the week. 
And the psychic word of the week, as usual, comes from the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary by June G. Bletzer, PhD. Rest in peace, honey bear. Uh, you know, when October comes, the veil will be thin and we shall hug. I mean, is the veil still thin? No. Why? Not right, not right at the moment. It's getting, it's, it's getting thicker. Oh. So the closer we get to midsummer, the thicker it gets. Gotcha. Okay. So, it's building up the lining. Um, well, actually, probably not midsummer. Probably closer to Ostara because if it's like halfway. Anyways, that's anyway. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, the word that uh, so we you know we flipped through the pages this week. I landed on page six hundred and twenty nine. The first phrase that I saw um, caught my eye was thought atmosphere. Uh, I'm excited to read this. I don't ever read them ahead of time, so I don't know what this is going to be, so I'm super excited. Uh, it says, the electromagnetic radiation around each person that makes one's belief system. There's more, but that's already intriguing. Yeah. Really. <laughs> it says, this belief system has gelled from attitudes and emotions which accompanied one's experiences and activities from this life and other lives. Consists of learned habits, learned information, instinctive desires, repressed desires, repressed emotions, morals, opinions, and standards. It is the gelled electromagnetic field that suggestions or new information must get through in order to be accepted by the individual and compartmentalized in the belief system for future use. Uh, and then there's two, uh, it says EG down here. I guess that's examples, right? Is that what EG stands for? I can't yep. remember. Okay, yep. yeah, that's what I thought. It's uh, actually Latin, but yes, right. that's basically yeah. what it is. Ergo, right? No, I'm just, <laughs> I don't know what the hell it means. Um, but uh, one, it says, in sending a mental telepathic message, the receiver will not receive it if the suggestion is not in compliance with the receiver's belief system. Hmm. Oh, boy, I want to talk about that. Um, two, destructive brainwashing cults use what's called love bombing in the first encounter to break into the thought atmosphere so that their ideas and suggestions will take hold. They also continuously repeat the beliefs of the cult to force a new compartment in the belief system. Whoa. Interesting. So it makes me so like. Because of the state that I'm in right now, where Kentucky. I'm based, yes, the, absolutely. Um, but also the the <laughs> let's call it my belief state mm -hmm. um, that I am basically taking a little bit of everything and incorporating it into my. So, like, I wonder if my cloud right. is like not as dense. Well, and I've thought about that too, because you know, both you, me, and Santosh, we're all very eclectic in our belief systems. Yeah. Um, that's the way Santosh and I have always been, and we've always just picked and pieces and pulled and constantly grow and and things like that. And and it's interesting because how many like Christians or or say you know uh, Muslims or anyone that kind of doesn't believe in ghosts or whatever don't have those encounters. Because that's not a part of their belief system. Like they, well, it happens, but their brain's not allowing it because of. The, and so, so we're going to go back to the conversation that we had with Jeremy last week. Um, if you're not seeing a UFO because you're not in the right frame of mind to see it, is your belief, whatever that was called, what was that called? Your belief cloud, Careberry cloud. Thought, thought. Thought, thought cloud. I think it's thought cloud. Hold on, I'll tell you in two seconds. But what you know, whatever that is, if it's like blocking thought atmosphere, thought thought atm but if it like if it's so dense 
that you can't perceive, you can't even begin to fathom that that's a UFO in the sky, you can't see it. Right. And I've, I've, I've mentioned this on the show like yeah. 30 million times uh, from What the Bleep Do We Know, where they talk about how that the Native Americans, yeah. when uh, Columbus and them first showed up, that they probably weren't able to see them because well, it's like, their belief system didn't have anything yeah. that created that, that big ships like that. Well, and then you think about this, too. Some people, they say that, like, uh, they jokingly say their ego enters the room before they do. <laughs> but but what if it's that belief uh, mm. cloud or whatever, belief atmosphere or whatever that, enter, atmosphere, Josh. That, inf- that enters the room before they do and somehow, like, sets the stage for... Sets the stage. I like that term. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, the other part of it was talking about, you know, they used cult, but let's be honest, any religious belief. Oh, yeah. I mean, you go to any Christian church, it's the same thing. They're love bombing you from the get go. I mean, any. Yeah. Any religious uh, tabernacle, church, synagogue, I don't care. You're going to get love bombed. I mean, that's that's well, part and of it. you also get those group uh, elementals. there too Mm -hmm. and so i wonder how much that group elemental helps to like maybe heighten or reinforce that thought atmosphere hey i got the right word yeah you did you did way to use that uh didactic memory man proud of you (laughs) (laughs) i love you so much I love you so much. Man, I'm already hyper, dude, because Tyler yep. is going to be on, dude. You don't even know I'm already hyper. Uh, but we'll get out of here. That was a, I'm really no. interested in digging some more into thought atmosphere. Like, I yeah. really like that concept. And I think that's something that might feed our journey a little bit that we should uh, kind of bring to Santosh, maybe on an I, Astral Stew episode. That's what I was getting ready to say. Like, I feel like that's our next topic for Astral Stew is I knew, you knew I knew you were going to say it because you're in my thought atmosphere. Well, yeah, we, that makes, but, but really think about that. What, what if you're around a bunch of people who have a similar or same thought atmosphere as you? Then you're going to finish each other's sandwiches. Yeah. Does that enhance, does that enhance your all's whatever? Oh, so. I would, I would absolutely. That's where I think that idea of group hysteria comes from. It, you know, it's just that idea that a group can manifest, you know, we've got our group elementals. We're doing this together, right? Because we are yep. sharing the same thought atmosphere. I mean, you know, you know how emotion rides a crowd. I mean, you remember Christian days where that praise song would hit you, man. One person yep. start crying. You're crying. Everybody's crying. It's same thing like a, a yawn. <laughs> oh yeah yawn. religious experience right. to yawn but yeah i mean you know next thing you know you're shaving your head and drawing a cross on your forehead <laughs> i guess that's better than a swastika like that's, manson but yeah that's but yeah so. Jeez. anyways let's let's move on man we gotta get to cryptid of the week man i got the Jer- jersey devil hanging underneath my feet dude he's like a footstool right now so we gotta get to him so you can get out of here he stinks like old jelly so anyway, sorry, Cryptid of the Week. Hi, y'all. It's the Jersey Devil. Hope y'all are ready to meet some of my friends. Cryptid of the Week. All right, so uh, Cryptid of the Week um, is an interesting one. No surprise, as they always are. Um, this one is actually not just one cryptid. No, it's a whole gang of them. Shut up. Uh, it's a whole gang of them called melon heads, not lemon heads. 
candles. Yeah. That's candy that you right. eat. But melon heads. Now, melon heads is the name given to the legendary beings that live in the forests of Michigan, Connecticut, and Ohio. Now, I'll tell you right now, I never heard of lemon head or melon heads when I was a kid, <laughs> though I feel like my dad called me a melon head a couple times. Well, I mean, you do. It's like a sideways melon, though. Right, like, right. Like, uh, what's that uh, Nickelodeon cartoon? Uh, uh, what's his name that has the that football head? I can't did, remember. Did not ever have Nickelodeon, and by the time I was old enough to, to have Nickelodeon, I didn't care to watch it, so. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, but maybe my dad knew of the melon heads because he lived in Michigan and Ohio, but I find it very weird. It's like Michigan and Ohio, right? That makes sense. They're right on the border of each other. Yeah. And then Connecticut. Connecticut. I don't get it. Um, but it says different variations of the legend uh, attribute different origins. The creatures are said to appear remotely human or mutant-like with bulbous melon-like heads. Now, this already gray, gray, right? Gray, yep. Um, so here's some quick origins uh, from each state. In Ohio, it says the melon heads were originally abandoned children that the scientist by the name of Dr. Crow, sounds legit, uh, decided to take care of, and that's in quotations, <laughs> take care of these children at his facility in Kirtland, Ohio. Uh, Kirtland is where the Air Force Base is. Um, while the children stayed at the facility, Dr. Crow performed torturous experiments on them. What got them the name Melonheads was when Dr. Crow injected chemicals into their brains, which caused their craniums to grotesquely grow. Because of the abnormal growth, they developed hydrocephalus, which caused them to become mentally ill, and after years of abuse, the Melonheads brutally killed Dr. Crow and burned down his facility. I wow! I feel like Ray Palmer probably wrote this. Yeah, I mean, I like. I'm <laughs> surprised that somebody hasn't made a movie yet. I know. I'm, I bet you there is because some of this sounds like a sci-fi movie from the 50s or 60s. Uh, Michigan says the Melonheads of Michigan. Uh, sounds like my whole family because they're all from Michigan. Uh, the Melonheads of Michigan are said to reside around Felt Mansion, although they have also been reportedly seen in the southern forested areas of Ottawa County. Hey, that's not far from where I grew not, up. Not so Felt Mansion, not Velour Mansion. No, nope. Nope, not Silk Mansion either. <laughs> um, felt Mansion. Uh, let's see. In Ottawa County, uh, according to one story, they were originally children with hydrocephalus. Here we go again. Who lived at the Junction Insane Asylum near Felt Mansion. The story explains that after enduring physical and emotional abuse, they became feral mutants and were released into the forest surrounding the asylum. The uh, Allegan County Historical Society asserts that the asylum never existed, although at one point, it was a prison um, and this reminds me of season two of American Horror Story um, which uh, takes place in an asylum and there's a crazy doctor that's experimenting on people and stuff like that it also it was kind of uh, fed off of the island of Dr. Moreau as well but some of this feeds into that as well also uh, feral feral mutants would be a great band name Oh, hell yeah. Uh, also, you could like do a cosplay thing and call yourself the Colin Farrell mutants. Like, <laughs> for the Will Farrell mutants, I don't know. Right. <laughs> um, Connecticut says several variation of the Melonhead myths can be found in Fairfield County, Connecticut. Most instances can be found in Trumbull, Shelton, Stratford, and Monroe, but other instances can be found in many others. There are two primary Connecticut variations. According to the first one, uh, Fairfield County, this was the location of an asylum for the criminally insane 
Spain that burnt down in 1960, resulting in the death of all the staff and most of the patients with 10 to 20 inmates unaccounted for, supposedly surviving and escaping to the woods. The legend states that the melon heads appearance is the result of having resorted to cannibalism. Now that's what I've heard in order to survive the harsh winters of the region and due to inbreeding, which in turn caused them to develop hydrocephalus. Uh, according to the second variation, the melon heads are descendants of a colonial era family from Shelton Trumbull who were banished after accusations of witchcraft were made against them, causing them to retreat into the woods. Uh, and as with the first legend, uh, this appearance comes from the melon heads inbreeding um and yeah uh there there's a little bit says that generally the legends all say that melon heads allegedly prey on humans who wander into their territory and still do to this day interesting mm-hmm. also every account has the hydrocephalus yep so <clears throat> makes me wonder if the reason it's in those three places is because those three places had facilities that that dealt with hydrocephalus yeah i you're probably right about that for sure um but yeah very interesting the melon heads not only does it sound like a great movie but it also sounds like some garbage pail kids do so (laughs) for real like i can imagine a garbage pail kid with like a watermelon head (laughs) yes i bet you there is is already um (laughs) out there but yeah so that that's our our cryptid of the week uh thank you for uh letting us hang out with your friends jd and uh, let's go ahead and move to our uap sighting of the week all right uh UAP sighting of the week, unidentified aerial phenomenon, um, UFO sighting of the week. What do we got, Josh? Yeah, so this actually happened today, the date of us uh, recording this, uh, February 25th. And uh, it happened in Santa Cruz, California. I am wondering if you had had any other people reporting any aerial phenomenon today. At a little after 9 a.m. this morning, my dog and I were playing in the middle of the field at University Park in Santa Cruz, when I suddenly felt an urge to look up. When I did, I was shocked to see approximately 9 to 10 UFOs flying in a loose formation approximately 1,000 to 1,500 feet above. My first thought was that it was merely a flock of seagulls, but it was far too high. Each object was luminous, but reflected like metal at times. Each had independent control. Some hovered for a few seconds, doing tight circles no birds or helicopters could do, even going in reverse before edging forward again. These were not birds or drones. Did you get any of the reports or sightings? There were no other people in the park at the time who has a clear view like I did. Man, a fleet. We're talking like a, a fleet. Yeah, the the, uh, the short description says flotilla. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. So what, what's even more interesting is that I just quickly Googled Santa Cruz UFO sighting and this website um, that's a UFO 
or excuse me, not a UFO sighting website. It's just a, a, a website in the area um, for news and stuff. There was another one um, on the 19th. So just a few days ago. And it, it again, it says the same thing. It says they saw 50 to 60 uh, small dotted lights moving across the sky. Hmm. Like in a fleet format, like in a fleet formation as yeah. well. So there's there's two. If you're listening there, guy, um, you're not the only one. And that was in Santa Cruz. Um, and uh, yeah. And so uh, one guy. Oh, there's another one here, too. This guy same day said that night at sunset, he saw a UFO uh, at sunset and that he's got pictures. But it doesn't say, of course, who it is. I want to see these pictures. Um, but he says you can see the disc shape uh, with lights running along the side. So. Hmm. Very, I mean, that's a flap. I mean, you got three within a week. That's a flap to me. Yeah, two on the same day. Well, yeah, and then that one was multiple. So, a flotilla, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that also sounds like, flotilla sounds like the uh, new age Yanni kind of Enya type version of Coachella. It's flotilla. (laughs) <laughs> it also sounds like it could be some sort of a topping for bread right or or disease that's on your uh gym jams you know <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you got the flotella oh my goodness you need to dip that in gasoline <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> tyler strand man that's all i'm saying yeah you know it's just the energy is totally it was just the energy well speaking of that we got to get moving so let's get <laughs> Let's get into our final uh, segment of the week. Creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup. Y'all, it's creepy. All right, Josh, creepy ketchup. I don't have any personal creepy ketchup, but I do have some spooky news for creepy ketchup. Um, so I'll let you get yours uh, out of the way first before I, I dig into that. So what what do you got lined up? Yeah, so just, I mean, the same stuff like, you know, I feel a presence in the room when I'm sleeping at night, uh, seeing shadow stuff moving like the corner of my eye. Um, I, I for, for real saw a, um, uh, like I, yeah, like my wife was talking to me, <laughs> and I like just all of a sudden shifted and stared out the back window. And she's like, "What you seeing ghosts again?" I was like, "Yeah." So, um, just yeah. again seeing stuff out of the like always in my peripheral though. Like I've never looked. And <clears throat> but anyways, and, and then the other thing that I had was, um, you know, I work from home and I work in the basement. And and the other day it was pretty nice here. It was like sixty three, which I know for you is like cold, but. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that was a pretty nice day when it's been, you know, in the <laughs> teens. So I was standing out, I was standing up in my, on the, you know, in my kitchen and I was looking out the window towards the wooded area. And I was like, you know, I said, are you all still here? If so, can you give me a sign, shake a tree branch, make a bird fly something? I stood there for about a minute or two more. Nothing really happened. So I uh, was I was popping popcorn, so I grabbed my popcorn and go downstairs to get onto a meeting. And um, I call in to Zoom, and I punch in on my phone the, the meeting ID number, and my phone reads the correct meeting ID number. Mm-hmm. But it repeats back to me, and it says, sorry, you entered 
9232-1133. That is not a recognized meeting ID. So I, I look at the meeting ID on the thing and I punch it in again on my phone exactly verbatim and I check it to make sure that I'm on phone screen and everything. And again, it says, sorry, you entered 9232, sorry, yeah, 9232-1133. That is not a recognized meeting ID. So I, I disconnected the call, called back in, got connected that time. I was good. I started looking at it. And what's really crazy is, is um, some of the numbers that it repeated back were in the meeting ID, mm-hmm. but it also invented numbers that weren't in the meeting ID. So it's not like it just read every other number or something like that. It just yeah. it, it get through extra numbers in there. So I was like, well, the first number is nine. I'm going to keep nine. I added two, three, two, one, one. That adds up to nine <laughs> and then three, three. So it was nine, nine, three, three. So again, it's like, you know, 10 minutes earlier, I had said, staring out of my backyard, give me a sign. I go down to join this meeting and I get an erroneous meeting thing. And it works out to 9933. My wife just says, oh, that happens for Zoom all the time, which it very well may. But still, the likelihood that it would add up to or work out to be 9933, mm-hmm. both you know numbers that are relevant for the stuff that we do, just seems unlikely so question is josh did you put it through the cipher nine nine three three that or the big ass long number like i don't care <laughs> i didn't because i don't know where i would separate it that'd true. be the thing true unless i just did each each number individually to see what that worked out to and then piece it together man and then piece it together <laughs> i don't know I, i'm getting ready to do that now while you're while you're reading your thing. <laughs> all right well uh we wanted to bring up some spooky news uh for creepy ketchup because uh a pretty cool story's been in the news uh for the last few days um this happened on february 22nd it's all over the major news sources cnn fox news everywhere uh the one i'm pulling from is from nbc chicago on uh, the headline reads american airlines pilot reports seeing cylindrical object moving really fast over new mexico and the fbi says it's looking into the encounter with the unidentified flying object which happened over new mexico as flight AA2292 was heading to Phoenix from Cincinnati. That's just mm. the headline there. So <laughs> just to find it hilarious. Uh, but here's what the story says. It says an American Airlines pilot reported seeing a long cylindrical object flying over his plane during a flight from Ohio to Arizona on Sunday. The encounter with the UFO happened over New Mexico as AA Flight 2292 was heading to Phoenix from Cincinnati. The pilot immediately called air traffic control shortly after noon local time on February 22nd to report seeing the object, according to the Federal Aviation Administration. Do you have any targets up here? He asked. We just had something go right over the top of us. The pilot is heard saying in his radio transmission recorded and published by the blog site Deep Black Horizon. I hate to say this, uh, but it looked like a long cylindrical object that almost looked kind of like a cruise missile type of thing moving really fast. And it just went over the top of us. And now I know immediately uh, before I finish the story, people 
from that I've already talked to about, there's like, well, it was over in New Mexico, so it's probably some sort of training exercise. <laughs> um, I mean, who shoots a damn cruise missile at a, at a yeah, I don't really. know, man. Anyways, this is the FAA told NBC News in a statement that air traffic controllers did not see any object in their area on their radar scopes. American Airlines confirmed that the radio call came from one of its flights, but deferred further questions to the FBI. The airline company said, following a debrief with our flight crew and additional information received, we cannot confirm this radio transmission. Uh, we excuse me, we can now confirm this radio transmission was from American Airlines Flight 2292 on February 21st, and that the FBI was looking into the incident. And the FBI also contacted NBC to let them know they are also looking into the incident so uh there are it is happening like i said apparently more people have been trying to dig into american airlines to talk about it and they just keep saying talk to the fbi so (laughs) well i mean honestly though i mean american airlines i mean i wouldn't want to keep you know answering people's questions around it stuff so sure sure I would well they need the publicity people will be flying if they think they could see a ufo <laughs> so i'm like take it bro take well, it the, yeah not like that other plane that what took off from chicago or whatever and the freaking engine yeah blew, uh, which now blew we apart 777s are no longer flying so yeah so yeah uh but yeah that's that's what we got it's very interesting i'm curious to what he's seen um i did get a chance to listen to him say it. i mean it's verbatim what he just said there but it's it you can tell he's like uh (laughs) so and you know pilots are are hesitant to talk about that stuff unless it really happens man i mean it's you know it's still all that weird you know stuff that surrounds that kind of thing that just Mm -hmm makes it impossible for people to come forward without you know fear of like losing their job or being labeled something right well yeah so i don't know very very cool um this is nice to have like a pretty good uh uap sighting um from you know someone that you know people consider as um what's the right word i'm looking for um proof the, the the type of people skeptics no god josh the type know. of people that are good to have seeing sighting credible there we credible. go credible yeah pilots are always considered credible you know so it's it's a very good one plus it's backed up by you know uh this just everything and the fact that it didn't show up on the radar to me is even cooler like even though you know skeptics will be like there was nothing there it didn't show up on the radar um, but, uh, you know, it's just like we said, we don't know. It doesn't have to be solid. It could have been freaking, you know, a hologram of some sort. Who knows, man? It's probably a drone. <laughs> well, I heard somebody <laughs> talk about uh, saying that the Phoenix lights, uh, original Phoenix lights, mm-hmm. were, were holograms. But the hologram technology was alien technology being used by the government to, to gauge the public's reaction to. Uh, whatever so get out of here majestic 12 get out of here, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> i can't wait till we cover majestic 12 oh um anyways we we need to get moving because we need to get to tyler strand um but 
Uh, before we get into that, before we get into our ad break, I just want to remind people this Friday, like two days from the day this airs, this Friday is our big fundraising event for the Fearscape Media Network. I am going to be doing tarot readings, been reading for 20 years. It's badass. Um, I'm going to be doing tarot readings. You can go to fearscapemedia.com slash tarot. Is it Fearscape Media? Is that right? Yep. Fearscapemedia.com slash tarot to get your slot. We've already got some gone, so you need to get on there before they're all gone. I'll do tarot readings. I'll do them for couples for the same price. So if you and your wife or you and your girlfriend or you and your boyfriend, whatever, want to have a reading together, I'll do that as well. Um, proceeds go to support the Fearscape Media Network as well as Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. So uh, make sure to check that out. Um, and uh, let's go ahead and get into our ad break. And then when we get back, we're going to be here with Hellier's Tyler Strand. Hey everybody, Stefan here. This episode is sponsored by the great folks over at Box Mountain. Box Mountain is a subscription box service that has my favorite sub box yet, the Cryptid Crate. You see, Josh got one of these for his birthday, and I was super jealous because it was packed full of merchandise pertaining to cryptids. The box he received first was all about the Flatwoods Monster, which of course is one of our favorites. And it had a t-shirt, a book, a patch, mug, and some awesome stickers. So I checked out the price to get one for myself, and let me tell you, it is well worth the value. These make excellent gifts for yourself or even friends that are cryptid lovers as well. Now, if you use the coupon code FEARSCAPE, you will get 25% off the first month for any new subscription or 10% off individual purchases. So go ahead and head on over to FEARSCAPEPODCAST.COM slash CRYPTIDCRATE now and get yourself one today. Hey everyone, Josh here. Do you feel like mainstream options for things such as yoga, meditation, or documentaries and films meant to expand your mind are lacking? Have you heard of Gaia? Gaia is the largest resource of consciousness-expanding videos. Both Stefan and I have watched several of the series, documentaries, and films available on topics such as the Secret Space Program, Channeling Interdimensional Beings, and Alien Encounters. We're just now exploring the over 8,000 films, shows, and classes available to stream on your favorite devices. To get your 10-day free trial of Gaia, go to fearscapepodcast.com slash Gaia offer. Again, that's fearscapepodcast.com slash G-A-I-A offer. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Sorry if it took um, <laughs> took a while to get this moving. I'm I'm the worst with responding to messages lately, and uh, I've been up north visiting my family for the past few months, so everything's been even more chaotic than it should be. So I'm not I'm not in my own apartment that I would be used to. So everything's just kind of been in limbo, like in a weird transitional phase, but I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Um, it's always a good opportunity to be able to just have conversations Absolutely. and get our thoughts out there. Absolutely, man. Everything happens for a reason. <laughs> I, I'm a big believer in that. I mean, you know, I mean, you know all about synchronicity. That's how it works. It's just, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, but no, we're just glad to have you, man. Like, you know, we're, we are not only big fans of Hellier, of course, but of you personally. I yeah. mean, 
I freaking you love bring, you. I mean, <laughs> you bring so much energy to the show that I mean, I and that's a it's a compliment. I mean, I I really believe it. I I would say the reason I enjoy you so much is you share a very aggressive passion for finding the truth. Like that's what I would. You are aggressively passionate. Some might argue too aggressive at times. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. And I love thank that you for saying that. I love that because I. I I try to I try to dial it back every so often, but then it's like something will happen. I'll get all excited again, mm-hmm. and it's like it's a constant, constant battle of of trying to not get too crazy with things. Well, you know, I, I so I get the uh, the same sort of aggressive energy, and I want to go out <laughs> and climb into the woods and look for mylar <laughs> balloons too. But then I realize that I'm married and I have kids and have a full time job and I can't go off and do all of that fun stuff. And so, yeah. I'm, yeah. See, my ADHD has me going into the woods and my wife's like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, but I don't have well, I don't have the kids. Well, you know, I've upgraded from finding balloons in the woods to finding full on what I believe to be Bigfoot tree structures. And that's been an interesting wow. development. Ooh, do tell, <laughs> so, do tell. We, like a nice little, so, nice little lean to you with a nice little front porch. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, just like a Bigfoot mailbox. It's like <laughs> Mr. B on it. <laughs> Go through his mail, try to find his credit cards. Well, you know, we're from Kentucky. I mean, I live out in Arizona now uh, since October, but man, we, Kentucky is a Sasquatch hub, boy. <laughs> well, <laughs> Listen, Arizona, Arizona is full of weird stuff. What what area, if you don't mind me asking? Phoenix, just moved out to Phoenix. And I've, oh, no joke. Dude, Tyler, let me tell you, I've already, I've been here since October, the end of October. I've already, I've had two sightings I've had to report to MUFON already. I've seen some That's crazy amazing. shit already. Well, I, I was just about to say, I've, I've been planning, I've been in communication with a friend who lives in Tucson, which is about... Mm-hmm. An hour, hour and a half, I believe, from where you are. Yep, it's about yeah, an hour and, and a half. That area, and yeah, that area in particular, I know, is full of high strangeness. Yes. And I've been meaning to get out there. Like I, my original plan. So for your listeners um, who may not have heard, like I've the last few months since the holidays, I've been up north in northern Michigan visiting my family. So I flew here. Typically, I'll drive from Pennsylvania, which is where I currently live, Western Pennsylvania. And my plan upon flying back, I was actually going to have a rendezvous and spend a few weeks in Arizona and check out mines and caves mm-hmm. in that location. Yep, Tucson because, is uh, where it, those are for sure. So <laughs> it's it's weird out there. Like uh, to my understanding, um, Tucson or like Arizona in general has the most mines in the entire U.S. Um, mine mining locations. So you have things like the Superstition Mountains yep, there. I just went for the first folklore. time recently to Superstition about two weeks ago. Oh, right I to the that. to you the know, petroglyphs there. We hiked up to it. It was so cool. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Oh, that might. I wonder if that's the same place I was going to visit. There's this little like pocket that has these. Um, it's like charcoal drawings yep. of these petroglyphs. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. exactly. It's that's called Hieroglyphics Trailhead. And uh, my sister and I, I we drove out there. It's like maybe like an hour from where I live. Um, and so we went out there five in the morning, like, because we knew it'd get packed with Boy Scouts and stuff. So we got out there, dude, <laughs> watched the sunrise. There were hot air balloons out there. It was like. That's incredible. It was like a dream. Like a postcard, man. <laughs> yeah. It's that's cool. awesome. Yeah. So, so like, I'm sure you know then since being there, like. Mm-hmm. I found that the deserts 
those kinds of environments have such a strange yes. energy. And then like when you add like the folklore behind it and like some of these cavern like settings that obviously I'm biased towards, um, it just gets me gets me going. Oh, so yeah. it's something I've been looking forward to, well, but I just have to kind of organize a little bit more yeah. for making the trip out. Stefan, where were you when uh, you and your sister saw the uh, Native American guy in the cave? Uh, that was in Sedona. We both, uh, my sister's a medium. And so like to the like left of me, we're in this, what are called wind caves. Cause they don't, you know, they're not deep, but they're carved out by the mm. wind. And so we hiked in Sedona for like three hours off the beaten path to go up to these caves that are along the rock walls. We had to climb and stuff. It was for a big fat guy. It was impressive. Let me tell you, uh, <laughs> but it was great. And so, but we get up there and we're standing in there and I swear, I looked to the left of me and I could, I see this native American guy in full old school native American garb. And I look over wow. to my sister and she goes, yeah, I see the native American. <laughs> I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> That's so strange. What was it? Was he like an actual person? Oh, like, there was no one there. Like we both turned. And like I said, there's no like offshoots or anything. Cause it's basically just like a, a bowl, you know, in the side of a rock wall. And so we're like, there's nowhere. There was no one there, but my sister's a medium. She was like, yep. And so she read my mind. She said what it was. And I was like, okay, it was, he was there. Oh, that, he was looking out so strange. at Sedona too, <laughs> but well, Sedona's already Sedona's, crazy. Yeah. Cause that vortex. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah. You know, they have, they have that giant vein of quartz, mm-hmm. um, you know, that runs through it as well, that people attribute allegedly to this phenomenon, yeah. you know, like um, we know a guy, Nate, um, yeah. they may have seen in Hellier that, brought up Sedona in conjunction to this this kind of high strangeness so it's it's fascinating I, I have yet to make my way out there as well but they're all on my list yeah you should do it man. I'll be there yeah Nate yeah. and I saw them they <laughs> talked about it Penny Royal talking about how the second most quartzy area of course is Somerset um, but yeah it's weird. well the other thing I found out too was Sedona has the highest number of UFO sightings in North America like it's mm, crazy. That's very interesting. Yeah, Josh is coming out yeah, to it, visit me in like two weeks. I'm taking him up to Sedona, so we're gonna see. Oh, we're going. We got like so night vision exciting. cameras. We got um, a MUFON <laughs> investigator coming with us. We got the guy that runs the Osiris Project bringing out Skyhub. Like, <laughs> shit's gonna be oh crazy. my god! <laughs> I I wonder. You know, depending on when I organize with my friend, if I do end up going. Um, to Arizona from here. I might be in Arizona around that time. It'll be interesting. We'll all be seeing UFOs. Really yeah, man. <laughs> and, you know, you'll be close. You're in Tucson, so you won't be far from Tombstone, which is not high strangeness, but it is cool. It's high noon. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I really love, high. man, I love Tombstone. My wife and I went like two years ago and it was just cool, man. I, You know, and they got like ghost <laughs> tours and fun stuff. Like, it's just cool. So I, it, it, I'll make sure, I'll, I'll be sure to bring my cowboy. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm gonna, man gonna dig my spurs out of storage, <laughs> out of storage. yeah it's been a while since i've had to wear my spurs oh man i love it <laughs> I love so it. uh so you know we were introduced to you in hellier but i'm sure hellier was not your first foray into the weird so how'd you get started oh man what a question well so <laughs> there's so many avenues so it's a strange thing. So I was always an odd kid. If we're going to go all the way back, as a fairly young person, I've always kind of had 
a pull into these stranger topics. So it's an interesting thing. When you ask a lot of people what got them into paranormal pursuits, a lot of them have what's been dubbed like an origin story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a weird I'm a weird case in the sense that there wasn't any one scenario mm. that got me into these pursuits even though I had stranger things happen when I was younger. I never I never connected those to my my interests or my pursuits in them. My view of this high strangeness if you will has always been perfectly integrated in just my views of reality. I've I've always tried to live an enchanted life. Yeah. And the paranormal is one of those things, you know, even as a blanket term, falls short for the way that I feel about mm. these things. To me, it's it's just a topic that provokes thinking that I don't get from much anything else in this seemingly mundane yeah, reality. So I've, I've always been curious about hearing everything I could. Um, looking for every strange thing that I could growing up, you know, but it wasn't until I was in my my later teens that I say I actually began doing boots on the ground um, research or explorations in areas that were near my little corner of the world. So I've always had an interest. There was no one starting point. It was always ever present because it spoke to me deeply. Mm -hmm. um, and there's elements of that that I can't quite put my finger on as to why that is. It's just something that has a deep pull within my soul. And the pursuit of these mysteries is more or less the travel agent that has given me a direction, a path in my life. So it, it kind of just has always been present, but has been put into effect um, once I hit my teen years. So that was everything from um, urban exploration, like just exploring abandoned buildings mm -hmm. that may be haunted or and going to haunted ruins that exist in the forest and so on and so forth. You know, it all kind of expanded upon itself and built upon itself until I ended up meeting like minds, which I didn't meet until probably only four or five years ago. Like people like Greg and Dana, yeah. Carl and Connor that you see in Hellier, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for those connections now, but I, I spent most of my life in isolation. And this was always a lonely pursuit yeah. Um, yeah. for finding, you know, whatever that truth is. I don't know if it has any one answer, but it's something that the pursuit has given me meaning. It's like a perpetual building snowball. Yeah. It keeps building upon itself, but there's it's building towards something, even if that something is just personal growth and development. So, so I was, uh, if I could say, wow. take the liberty to say <clears throat> that for you, the paranormal uh, is actually everyday life for everyone else. And the paranormal, what we call the paranormal, is the normal for you. Um, yeah, I think so. And, and it's interesting because I don't, I think it's a folly. I shouldn't say a folly. I understand how we got from point A to point B. But to me, there isn't a single thing about these topics that's not normal. And it's, it's because I, I truly believe these topics and these things that people are experiencing have always been here yes. and they're part of this natural yes. reality. Um, and I've always kind of viewed that. I never lost that magic that I held since I was a kid. Granted, life has a good way of beating that out of most people, yeah. especially when you live in a postmodern society 
where those things are scoffed at or from an early age those things are kind of taken from us in many ways um it's not easy sticking to your guns so to speak when you're you're a strange kid mm-hmm. you know because society and peer pressure would have you try and think otherwise yeah. i never let go of those things because i felt too strongly about yeah. them but i don't think that negates the fact that they're very much natural occurrences and i think it's w- another side of the coin of what this reality is that we probably don't have the best context for yet yeah. even though when you look into the past people on some level were a lot more connected to whether it be spiritualism and just these these broader concepts in the past but in this postmodern society i feel like we've grown away from that and i think we have a lot of societal issues even because as a people there is a large aspect of ourselves that is disconnected from that aspect mm. of who we are i i don't believe that the paranormal is something separate from us i believe it's as integrated with us as anything else and by denying that side of our understanding of our yeah. place here it causes other manifestations of societal issues because we don't have that missing piece yeah. that makes us feel the way that we do. Yep. I got to say first of all let me give you a compliment and say you have an incredible um usage of the English language by the way. You you are able to sum up how the, your story sounds very similar to mine. I grew up on the border of Michigan and Ohio. Um, and it was, I just lived and breathed the cult and paranormal books in the library just because I, I don't know. I just wanted to dig into it. It just caught my eyes and all that stuff. But yeah, you have a great way of describing all of that, a very elegant usage of the language. And uh, man, I really appreciate that. That it's some, there's a lot of us out there that are like that. And I never thought about putting it in that context, especially you said early on, I like to live an enchanted life. And I'm like, God, that describes things yeah. so much easier than the four page article. <laughs> I was writing. So <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank you. Thank you so much for saying so. And, and you want to know it's interesting on a random little note. Like I myself am on a Michigan border, but I border Wisconsin. So ah, we're yeah. both borderlands yeah. land people. Um, but yeah, I I'm with you and and I do think there are a lot of people. I do think most people at some point in their life are interested. It's just whether or not what varying degrees has that been taken from them in one way yeah. or another where they felt the necessity to feel less strange for liking something that is so universal and i think it's so strange because there's other forms of spirituality or strangeness that are accepted rather than ones that aren't and yeah. i feel like we live in a society where there are strict guidelines for how people are supposed to think about strangeness or what they're interested in and from an early age I truly do think from an early age that's taken from a lot of people mm-hmm. and from within their own household whether it be family members going oh, what are you doing looking into that yeah. or 100% or that's strange yes. or that makes you weird even though most people have these universal yes, feelings yes. like these are universal right. things I I don't think there's a single human on this planet that at some point doesn't consider these aspects of reality and it just it gets warped in ways where people they end up not thinking critically about it and they they walk away from it and i think that's why most people wind up in disenchanted lifestyles yeah. because they've lost the thing 
that gives them the magic to pursue their own self and their own will. Absolutely. We talk about that all the time. We talk about how, um, you know, like people send us listener stories. uh, We get stories all the time about uh, experiences with the paranormal. And nine nine times out of ten, they're like, please don't think I'm crazy. You know, and so there's this societal pressure that anything paranormal, and I say anything because not just UFOs, ghosts, cryptids, all of it, is this crazy weird thing Yet at the same time, a majority of society has these sightings. I mean, we talk about all the time, 30,000 UFO sightings a month happen worldwide, like every month. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and you want to know what? Even if someone doesn't have their own personal experience, I guarantee you, they probably know someone who has. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, everyone is connected. And, and I think that's also part of the mechanism of this phenomena is even if for some reason you're not one of the people who have had a direct experience there is something very interesting in the modern age where we are all connected Mm -hmm. in ways i mean right now we're literally looking at each other face to face through a video camera on a handheld device like we have the power and the means through technology to have a singularity Mm -hmm. develop between consciousness which is strange so it only makes sense that this phenomena it doesn't matter where it originates i think the end game is to be released and that release doesn't really matter where because it can reach the ears for those who wish to listen Mm -hmm. and i think that's part of our function that's part of your function having this podcast it's part of a documentary like hellier's function um it's a very fascinating asset of the modern phenomenon oh, to be sure. able to tap into that current, uh, which is no less magical than any other kind of working. Yeah, and sure. I think that's part of it. All. Yeah, we well, talked to John Tenney about the same thing. Like, it's just that same. I 100% agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, you're talking about how um, we as a, a, a people used to better connect with these things in our past and like i was looking into my um uh ancestry uh and i track you know my mother's side of of the family down uh back to the claim that they were a part of in scotland uh called the mcfay and uh mcfay mm. their motto was uh friends of the fay I was, so, I was about to ask. I was gonna ask. Yeah. Wow. So I was like, that's amazing. You know, it's like our our freaking family motto was friends of the Fae, but yet now, if you talk about the Fae, you're like, you know, yeah. You're but get I mean, away. think about what John Keel said about the right. Fae. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, that's why we're friends now. You're <laughs> right. <laughs> but no, that that is fascinating. Like even that word alone, like you see that. Like I know we mentioned it briefly in the documentary Hellier, particularly. I believe season two, where you start to see these strange kind of power names pop up. Mm-hmm. Um, Fayette is one of those things where even if the origin of the word is um, Lafayette's, you know, Latin name, last name, you find areas of high strangeness to have this title, you know, mm-hmm. Fay being, being part of this, yeah. this root word. And, you know, there's a couple different ways of, of pondering why that may be. Like, is it is it the magical concept that words hold power? Do certain terms manifest things just because they're being spoken on the collective consciousness of everyone within those areas? Yeah. Does that manifest it? Or is there something that is a precedent in an area that maybe establishes that name or gives reason to have an area hold that name? 
it's it's fascinating when you go down the name game rabbit hole yeah. because there's a lot of branches of of possibility but i myself am someone who living towards western pennsylvania i live right next to a fayette county which is one of the hotbeds for paranormal phenomena everything from ufos to cryptids spirit phenomena which is also where i've found these strange tree structures um in the forest uh, mm. it's it's full of high strangeness you know then but that's not to say it's not everywhere right sure. but it, it's interesting hearing you bring that name up because that's something that for me has even some personal significance of just the names of place you know yes. whether they be someone's last name or a location yep very fascinating. Yeah, I never thought about that because uh, Lexington, Kentucky is Fayette County and that area mm. is, in from what my research, one of the largest high strangeness areas in Kentucky until you get out to eastern Kentucky. But <laughs> yeah, but right. yeah, Fayette County has man, you'd think Louisville would with all everything as big as it is, but <laughs> it's the Lexington, Fayette County area. It's crazy. That yeah, I mean, boom, I mean boom. there's so Just many connecting that now. Of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, there's there's a lot of Fayette counties, yeah. but it's just it's just one of those terms where because of like personal biases of just being sure. one, it, it always kind of like uh, dings my radar, so to speak. Um, but there's others, there's other names, but uh, that's that's one of them. <laughs> wow. So, um, Stefan, what? <laughs> I totally just lost what I was going to ask. Dang it. <laughs> well, oh, sorry, I can I can talk a lot. Well, no, I just no, <laughs> we going to say, you know, you're, you're so you're talking about going down um, the name rabbit hole. Uh, when we talk to, you know, I have been going down the number rabbit hole. Oh, because uh, of Greenfield. <laughs> Greenfield. And, and when we had Connor on and there was some synchronicities there. So uh, we're, you know, did you get into the numbers stuff of, of Hellier or was that more connor's thing to suss out i mean i mean connor is the ultimate master for sure coding the numbers <laughs> but I, I think we've all at some point utilized the numbers the numbers are certainly something that we pay attention to you know i i continually will reference the cipher in my private life all yeah, the time I'm, I'm always using i'm always using numbers i even have my own personal numbers that i incorporate into my daily life um, which is interesting, but I, I think Connor, Connor himself has his own interesting backstory as to why numbers are so significant to him. And, and it really does seem mm -hmm. like he is <laughs> for all intents and purposes, the chosen one for that particular, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. you know, sequence crunching. And I think that in and of itself is a fascinating story. Um, why he's, the way that he is yeah. and how those numbers hold significance. So the numbers are an ever unfolding mystery. And I wouldn't even be surprised if there's more branches to the meanings than what we've yeah. seen thus far. I agree. You know, like, I like I know that there's this concept of, well, I, I 100% agree. Connor cracked the numbers in one way. Mm -hmm. But I also believe that them being coordinates was a necessary thing for the time that they were yeah. coordinates. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's even more outshoots of what that could bring to the table. And, and I think the numbers are a beautiful analogy for what Hellier is in a lot of ways. Because I see people online at times ask, do you think you'll ever get answers to like the Hellier mystery? And I and it's funny to me because I think Hellier 
actually has a lot of answers. Yeah, that's what I was going to yeah. say. It, it has it has a lot of answers, but they're not an answer that puts a period on the end of right. a sentence yes. because there is no sentence. Yep. It's it's an ever-evolving story. So, you know, the way that it's changed people, you know, whether even if that be something subtle like, oh, you know, I'm thinking about cryptids differently or <laughs> right. I'm, I have the concept of UFOs different, you know, and how this could be something maybe – little more spiritual in nature or synchronistic or you know maybe more tied into the occult like all of those things are an answer Mm -hmm. if you choose to listen to what we're telling you um and i think the numbers are a beautiful symbolic display of that where if you look at just our personal experiences with them like when i went out to the coordinate points at that moment in time, the strange timing that seemed to elicit phase two of these emails coming in, like that was an answer yeah. at the time. Yeah. Like like finding this synchron this symbolic object, the the first balloon, that was some kind of symbolic answer. So it, it was real and it, it meant something in that moment. Later on, it ends up developing further, and Connor gets the numbers and he cracks it. And that yields an entire giant thing. And what's interesting about it is we've, I've said this before to different people who are like, do you think you'll ever find this answer? I think that answer or that, that period point is going to be different for every single person that's involved. And that's why I love the symbolism of just what's occurred with the numbers. So like, me telling you this through a podcast about this idea that every single person will get something different out of this is already displayed and its truth is displayed just in the numbers alone. Yeah. So I, I don't think people should be looking for anyone to answer because I don't think anyone answer is the point. It's a string of yeah. possibilities and development and growth. Well, and, I, and I'll say in, in Stefan and I've talked about it before too, <clears throat> hell your, set us on a journey (laughs) that we are on right now um and 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 from hellier it was like the it was the match right that that has now lit the fire that is this journey that we're on and in all the different books and in all the different concepts and looking at the the entirety of the phenomenon all together ghosts spirits bigfoot the whole kit and caboodle how does it all relate to everything else um and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I <clears throat> would I love to see uh, season three of Hellier? Yes, but only because I would like to see the adventures that you all go on um, <laughs> and live vicariously through you. And all your um, personalities together. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> <It's a good laughs> but I mean, you know, you all, um, uh, we were talking about it just the other day, um, you know, for the people who, who watched Hellier, um, and, and then uh, gave it a bad review because there were no goblins. They missed, <laughs> they missed the point of the show. Yes. Um, 100%. Cause yeah. 100%. And Josh, we're not the only ones. I mean, you go on any message board, Reddit, everywhere. Yeah. It, it, it kind of did something that a show hasn't done in a long time, which is that it started people searching again and it did it's just like you said it was this match that lit because you know we all start trying to find answers for you guys that's like what we all do we're all like all right email these guys quick i i I ran this through the cipher Um, but then you start finding these synchronicities in your own life in your own journey in your own path 
and it becomes this spider web that kind of feeds that narrative that some of us in the paranormal community now saying that all paranormal things are more connected than we realize. I think Hellier is kind of what is helping push that narrative. And I'll be honest with you. And, and, you know, everyone we've talked to on the show from everywhere knows about Hellier and we talk about it and they, they say the same thing as well, that it helped create a spider web. Well, you know, that's exactly it. And, and I, I truly do believe that one of the functions of Hellier is shedding light on the path of an initiatory experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it is interesting seeing people's responses because not everyone is the same. And I don't think it's for everyone, at least not yet. I, I think collectively every individual is at a different place in their life and you can't force anyone's hand, which is what we absolutely don't try to do. You know, we, we just give concepts. We let people figure it out on their own. We, we don't hold a lot of hands in this. The people who choose to pursue it and the people who see the value in it and they see how it affects their own life. That's who that message is meant for. Yeah. You know, and that and that goes back to what we referenced in the beginning of this interview. Uh, the fact that we live in a society that's stepped very far away from these concepts. We live in a society that doesn't have initiatory experiences. Yeah. They don't have those guideposts that give them a higher meaning or a higher pursuit for feeling what this reality is supposed to be and what it's supposed mm-hmm. to give you. And I, I truly believe Hellier is just one small part of that. You know, we're not the only ones. Yeah. It's just one thing. It's one thing of a growing collective. And it's crazy how it all connects, uh, right? Like you listen to Penny Royal. uh, It doesn't matter which order you watch. Penny Royal first or Hellier first. The other just, you're like, oh shit. Because like, (laughs) I of course watched Hellier first and then listen to Penny Royal or a friend of mine did it in reverse. Had yeah. the same experience I did listening to Penny Royal. He had with Hellier because he had listened to Penny Royal, right? So <laughs> if it's there's those two, what else? You know, like if people hear our story throughout this two years that we've been covering all this crazy stuff, are they connecting that? You know, it's like it's just it's man, Tyler, it's crazy, man. It's that you guys stumbled <laughs> well, well, upon know, this. You truth. know what's so incredible about that too is with everything, with just notions of say something like Pan, mm-hmm. um, when. Nathan Isaac was interviewed in Hellier 2. Mm-hmm. He was not aware of what we were on. To. Yeah. Yeah. I heard um, him talking about he, that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> the fact that, like, he ended up finding out, like, what those aspects were when he actually watched the release of season two. And he was freaking out. He's like, oh my God, you know, and that's when all those. Right. All that stuff with that opera guy, like every, it's crazy. (laughs) Like what? (sighs) But, but, but that's the thing, you know, for anyone, for any naysayers that are like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if this is real. Like the thing that's wild about Hellier is that if anybody just does a little bit of research and just looks at the timeline Mm -hmm. and looks at the gigantic net (laughs) <laughs> that has been cast of the individual characters that exist, you'll quickly realize it's not possible to be something other than a phenomena yeah. that very much is alive and well. Yeah. You know, it's 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 beyond us at this point. You know, and there's 
enough people having personal experiences that show that, you know, and that's only going to continue to grow further and further and further. Right. So, well, it's like me, like uh, I used to do, uh, I worked for Kentucky Shakespeare. And so I used to tour the state doing Shakespeare to elementary schools and stuff. So I had actually been to Hellier, Kentucky, like once or twice. Plus I have uh, some friends mm -hmm. out in that area, um, Eastern Kentucky and stuff like that. And so when I first started seeing about Hellier, I was like, who cares about that gas station? Cause that was like the only thing we stopped there. We would always stop there to get gas and get some snacks. Like that's, that's the only reason I had been that's there so before. Funny. And then it's, I started realizing, I was like, why is there an alien on here? Like, it's just, you know, and then here it is. It's this whole thing, but it's like, it was weird for me. Cause I'm like, wow, there's a random place that I've been to like two, three times before. Yeah has some significance all of a sudden <laughs> and then and then you start hitting me up dude you gotta watch yeah, this yeah dude, you gotta watch this <laughs> and you're like why would i watch something about hell you're <laughs> well so i was gonna ask you um in 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 you'll pardon me a little bit because i have a uh photographic memory so i'm gonna immediately go back to the scene <laughs> where you're uh in the woods at the coordinates <clears throat> in the uh where you find the balloon and the area is all like kind of blown apart. If you remember making that statement. Um, yes. So <clears throat> I'm curious, uh, thinking about that now, that particular scene in your, um, your, your, your Bigfoot tree stands. Uh, I can't remember the exact terminology you just used, but if, if those two things are potentially related. Hmm. So it is very interesting you bringing that up. And there's um, a couple different points to make with this that I didn't connect until uh, further down the road. But when you assess not only that first balloon, which I found at the at the pretty close to coordinate points, right. like within probably 10 feet. Um, when you assess the finding of that balloon, it's after I'm looking around that area, I've reached the pinpoint, and there's nothing that seems to be there, except you, there's this weird tree, all the bark is ripped off of it, it looks like it's been blown up. I didn't make the connection until later on, if you watch when Greg and Connor and Carl find the blue star balloon, mm -hmm. there is a fallen tree. You start to find that a lot of these, and maybe this is nothing, maybe I'm just reading into this too much. There always seems to be a destroyed tree in connection to finding a balloon, mm. which I find interesting. And I say that because there, I've had one other experience since filming that was significant to me in regards to a balloon that I've not really publicly spoken on, but was very fascinating the context for which it appeared. Um, since the filming of Hellier and even, you know, before I spent a lot of my time trying to gain experience in caving, learning how to cave correctly right. um, to benefit this case. In fact, what a lot of people probably aren't aware of is that I actually took a job working at a cave at, just to benefit the case, kind of like a, <laughs> That's cool. my own undercover mission yeah. to to give us the experience to know how to go forward correctly. Please tell me and we got a web series of you <laughs> <laughs> undercover with a wig on. Like, <laughs> maybe uh, maybe undercover isn't the right word. No, I know. Uh, I'm just joking. Yeah, but just, just like, uh, yeah. but, you know, but research. Kind of un research. 
Yeah, this underground research, so to speak. Literally underground <laughs> yeah. research. Um, <laughs> I didn't even so, uh, it, in, the, in those final, in, in the final scenes of season two, all the helmets that you see everybody utilizing, those are ones that I actually temporarily borrowed from my, my workplace just to benefit the crew as well, That's just cool. for safety reasons. Um, but in my time of researching caverns, going underground, spending hours upon hours every day being underground, one of the areas that I was exploring in Western Pennsylvania was this very, very far off the beaten path, abandoned mine. Uh, one of the spookiest places I've ever been. And one of the last times I went to this mine, I'm walking on this forested trail and for context, why this is relevant. Um, <laughs> it's a mine that you're not supposed to be going into. And my friend <laughs> and I actually got in trouble for going. Ah. Um, we actually, we actually got fined over a thousand dollars for, for entering this mine, but this is a whole, whole other story, but to make <laughs> story short, you would think that particular incident, would have deterred me or, or maybe it would have deterred somebody else be like oh am i doing the right thing why 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 was i messing with caves why am i going underground mm -hmm. and one of the last times my friend and i were hiking this forested trail takes over an hour to walk down to get to we're walking up to this cliff face that has this little hole inside of it that leads into this mine and i look up above this sheer cliff that you can't reach a normal person couldn't reach it and I see something shining reflecting like a star <laughs> and it's right above the entrance to the mine wow. so we we crawl up this cliff where there's like a ledge that leads into the hole and I walk right over directly where the entrance is and I look up and there's a dead tree pushed over, leaning over the top of the sheer cliff face, way up above me, probably about 40 feet above me. And at the very tip of this broken tree that's hanging over the edge of this cliff, there's a blue balloon tied to the very... Oh, my goodness. And to me, oh I took goodness. that as a sign where it's like, no, you're on yeah. the right path. Yeah. Like, like going underground, checking into these kinds of areas in conjunction yeah. To this greater lore and this greater phenomena, it's going to yield something, yep. or, or my pursuits in it meant something. Um, so that was something significant to me. But that's the only reason why. Again, I could be wrong about the tree, but the only reason I said, you know, between that one, the one Greg found, and the first one, all three of those incidents, at least within my perspective, have had this fallen tree in connection to it. Mm -hmm. um, and that does get a bit stranger. So I'm sorry if I'm taking too long no, on this question. No, not but at when, all. When you, when you asked about the connection to these structures, that's revealed an even greater answer to myself within my own personal pursuits. Because the way I found those structures in the woods is the most telling aspect right. of how this stuff works or how we can discover more of it. Um, so this is in Fayette County. Um, in Pennsylvania, I would often, and I still do, I go on drives just to kill time yep. and to try and get lost. Um, I've done that forever. Of, yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I've found I've found a lot of fascinating places, whether it be urban exploration or what have you. 
there is a strange intuition that I plug into at times and I will find things. And I remember on this particular drive, I was way off the beaten path going through forested roads, farm country on the periphery of farmlands in Fayette County. And on this particular drive, I was holding in my mind visuals of something walking across the street in front of me. I would, I would get to a fork in the road and go, what area just is like the spookiest or the strangest looking? Like mm-hmm. just trying to get lost and trying to find something strange following like this subconscious intuition. And I chose this forested road when I met a fork. I'm driving down it. It's sandwiched between farm fields. So there's strips of trees and forest. And I'm keeping this visual of something like bipedal, kind of like, you know, a wild man type character walking across the street. I'm having this inside my brain. And I think this is an important function of the story. As I have these thoughts racing through my head, just trying to feel these locations, though, I look up at the trees as I'm driving past them and something goes off in my head. And it's not like a voice. It's just a subtle feeling. And it Mm -hmm. says there's something interesting about this place. Mm. I'm like, Hmm, I wonder why that is like the trees in general. It's just like, there's something interesting looking about it. So I I pulled my car around. I parked in the best place I could. It was a very narrow road. It was like not safe to park on. I parked my, my car, I get out and I literally just walk into the trees. I walk into the woods. That, that's how Blair Witch Project started, by the way. No, for, for sure. So you can imagine my surprise. You can imagine my surprise how the act of doing this, I walk into the forest and almost in a straight line from where I'm walking, I, I walk deeper and deeper and I come across that structure. Oh, wow. That structure was like the answer to what I was looking for. It's like something led me to it. Like there's there's no, mm-hmm. if you've seen where this was, you, you would realize there is no Nothing. reason. I should have found this. Mm. So to me, this has become like a ritual space where it's like, I go to this place regularly and it's, and it comes down to that old concept of like the witches entering the wood, communing with the spirits, Mm. you know? And it's like, it's very much like a personal journey of mine where it's like, I start to understand how the pieces of these old stories fit with what people who have come before, how these things happen. And to me, that is a communication and it's it's so strange because since this time i've found another structure within that immediate vicinity and this one is made out of entire trees that are so large there's no way a person could lift them and the large ends the trunks of the trees are the ones that are up in the air um so it's a structure for those listening i understand this is audio um, the visual of the structure is if you were to make an X and put a stick splitting that in two as well. So you have six points. Um, so it's an X with a line going through the center of the X. Um, and both of these structures are identical in their symmetry. And the symbol or sigil that they make. Um, and I think that's significant. So intuition is always a vital factor in discerning some of these answers as well. And I think that's why when it comes to Hellier, when you see people that don't like Hellier, you didn't find any goblins. They're people who <laughs> lack that communication, well, that higher form of communication. And it's, yeah. and I truly do think it is a higher form of communication. You need to have a marriage between 
the analytical mind, the mind that looks at physical clues, physical data. But I do believe there's an undercurrent of that more magical aspect, that spiritual aspect that very so much agree. lives in the realm of intuition. That is also one half of the answer. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I was going to say. If there's one thing we could learn as investigators of the unknown is to indeed trust your gut, trust your instincts. And just, you know, you get that feeling. That's what the paranormal is all about. So, like, check it out. Yeah. Be safe, but check it out. <laughs> well, yeah. So, that, you know, we were talking about. Um, so I'm going out to, to Phoenix in a couple of weeks. And we're going to go out in Sedona and we're going to set up in the middle of the night. We're going to see if we can uh, contact some some aliens. And um, I was jokingly asking Stefan the other day, you know, the other day, <laughs> what would you do if we're out in the desert and we come face to face with a gray? Like, what are you going to do? And, and so, you know, I kind of, you know, asked the same, you know, it seems to be that you fearlessly charge headfirst into these situations are you ever concerned that you're going to come face to face with a goblin and if you do what will you what would you do in that <laughs> right because i said pass out or push push josh in front of me like that yeah, was- <laughs> <laughs> i mean i mean absolutely and, and it's funny because there's this misconception where people think i'm absolutely fearless and, and it's not true the, the reality is i'm scared a lot like yeah there's there's always a lot of fear but it's it's part of my own personal journey where Whenever I feel that, I've learned how to work through it, and you almost let it flow through you. And um, I have a, a lot of different ways for doing that, you know, because a lot of times I'm alone, and I've been in the forest at nighttime alone. That's not easy. Yeah. If you're if you're yeah. any <laughs> sense of a rational person, that, that is not an easy thing to do. There's so many survival factors like flaring off in your mind, but there's something to acknowledging it and deciding to push forward that I also think is important in these pursuits. So like, do I get scared? Yeah, of course. But I also simultaneously, the thing that makes me push past it is I know that the one thing that's going to separate me from pursuing these things and seeing these things is by doing what most people don't do. And it's doing the thing that's scary. How many times have you just watched, like, we'll just use television as a poor example. A ghost hunter hears a noise and they, they freak out or they run. Is They get scared and they run. I realize if I'm going to be serious <laughs> about the pursuit of these endeavors, I can't do that. Right. Yeah. I'm not going to run. I, you know, like, when I went to Brown Mountain, I walked this forested trail to the edge of the cliff that mm-hmm. overlooks the gorge alone in the moonlight and that was not with those emails that came through and everything i was thinking about that was had a negative twist at that time that was not an easy thing to do but at the same time i'm not getting any younger i forever become older and if there's going to be meaning to what i pursue and my seriousness about what i pursue how can I pass up an opportunity and go, well, I was too scared. So I never did it. I don't, I would rather have, (laughs) I'd rather have regret upon action rather than regret upon inaction. So I can say I did. That's what rings in my head. The second my foot stops and I go, man, this is really spooky. There's another part of my brain that flips over and says, but if you don't take that step, you'll never see. Yeah, or you'll never find it. And that's what puts puts me forward. And uh, so I do that. 
I do what I can to control it. I've learned to control my fear more and more as years pass. And if I were to ever come across something, um, my first line of action, I mean, I would want to communicate. I, I would want to try and have an interaction. And the reason why I think physical pursuits are important to a non, a possibly non-physical phenomenon is not to believe in it. So there, there's also this false notion where it's like, oh, he, he's going out to these locations because he wants to have that experience. He wants to believe. And that's not true. I already believe. I don't need, I don't need to have an experience anymore to believe in these things. That's Josh. However, mm-hmm. yeah. however, I believe that experiencing these things is the only way or one of the ways we will get a better understanding yeah. of what they are much like dreams yeah. i believe these things are a lot like dreams where how how hard is it to convey the way all the emotions you felt in a dream when you're trying to explain it to somebody the impact of what it meant to you in that moment is more yeah. telling than our limited viewpoints of what you read and what you hear i believe that experience has answers that are unspoken and i think that the experience i seek is getting more of that knowledge that is unspoken to know it's about knowing not about seeing yeah Um, that's what it is for me and no amount of evidence that that anybody is able ever able to produce will ever turn a skeptic from not being a skeptic or turn a believer to not being a believer the experience exactly the experience is for you the experiencer um, and then sharing that experience is really only to encourage others that they're not alone. Right. Yeah. Like I'm reading. Um, yeah, for sure. I'm reading Travis Walton's Fire in the Sky book right now. And he talks about, you know, because he was he was very much a young Tyler. So he, yeah. he talks yeah, about it, sure. which is so funny because you see him in, you know, in interviews and stuff. And he's like, yeah, it was a real crazy experience. But no, he was nuts, man. And he was talking about how, like, when they saw the UFO, he immediately jumps out of the truck because he wants yeah. to get yeah. a firsthand look at it. And he yeah. says the scariest thing that ever happened to him was also the best thing that ever happened to him, that had he not jumped out there and had this experience, his mind would not have been open to the things that they are to now and how it just changed his life forever. And they would have just been wow. in that car. They would have peeled off yeah. and then they would have been like, yeah. we didn't see anything. Yeah. But <laughs> that's a fascinating. Yeah. You know, that's a fascinating perspective. So anybody listening to this who's not familiar with Walton's story, um, even though it seems scary, you know, initially his initial interaction with this thing, mm-hmm. it is interesting listening to him speak on how his views are not negative. Not at all. No. You know, and that it very much, you know, like a lot of these experiences people have, they are life changing events. Yeah. And it is interesting hearing you say that now in conjunction to his story. How is the act of him leaving that to get closer? Yeah. Is that by design? Even though this seems like some kind of accidental thing and what have you, how much of it was something that was given to him because he chose to put that step yeah. forward? Right. And what has that given his life? There is something interesting about all of it, you know, and, you know, it gets in the broad concepts that, you know, I don't think we have the answers for <laughs> yet, but <laughs> it, it's fascinating. Yeah, it, it's true. It, you know, he doesn't view this negatively, and it's interesting seeing how his mind has changed on that because i even remember him back in the day 
having this viewpoint where he's like, well, I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And now he has this other outlook that is very compassionate yes. towards what he experienced. He's like, oh, these things aren't, they don't seem to be negative, at least not in my case. You know, I, you know, he can only speak for his particular incident, right. you know, where it's like, this wasn't something negative. At least it doesn't seem to be. It's, it's fascinating. And Josh, you you recently quoted him as well on something he said later on in life, right? Yeah. So he did an interview not too long ago. I think I think it was on the Joe Rogan uh, experience. The you know that pot. The- I just listened to those. I literally just listened to those. This is kind of a synchronicity. I just listened to those the other day. I'd never seen them, and there were these little clips. I quite literally exactly what you're saying i just watched the other day so yeah so he said in one of those inter- in that interview he's like if you see a ufo i think he said you have eap but if you see a ufo uh, when you're a kid and you later on see one when you're an adult they know it's you that they chose to reveal themselves and to you again. That's why I wanted him to say that to kind of build off what you were just saying. Like, was it by design, right? And Andrea, Perrin, well, she well, says that too. Yeah. Well, you know, and and I think there's something to that as well with people who are experiencers. And it's funny because, like, I've again, uh, there's there's certain things I don't go into detail yet. I, I know eventually, probably sooner rather than later, you know, we'll end up discussing these. But, um, you know, I've had strange experiences when I was younger, one of them being a UFO sighting. I uh, one of my most prominent my within the top three strangest things that I witnessed. Uh, one of them was a UFO sighting and I, it was witnessed with my mother. Um, this happened when I was about. I want to say 16. I was either 16 or 18. I, want, I think I was 16. I believe it was summertime because it wasn't so terribly cold out, but cool. It was a clear night. It was around. So I believe it. I was 16. It was summertime. Um, it was 1130 at night. At the time, we had a wolf dog named Stringfellow. He wanted to go outside. He wanted to go for a walk. So on a whim, like unplanned, my mom's like, hey, do you want to go for a walk with me? Like, while well, we take the dog out. I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, like go for a late night walk. We live on a dead end road, like forested area in northern Michigan. So we're taking our dog through his whole walk and we're coming back down our our dead end road that overlooks a bluff, a forested area. And this gigantic, silent, football shaped object, the whole thing was glowing almost like it was on fire. It bobbed across the sky the way someone would wave their hand out a window doing the wave. Wow. It, it it swam like a fish through the air. Our dog is looking at it. He's freaking <laughs> out. My mom and I are like, oh my God, look at this thing. And we watched this giant flaming object bob out of existence. Like it went all the way through the trees, all the way until it was out of sight. It was one of the most prominent sightings of anything That's I've ever seen. And, and, and at the peak, it, it was, and but here's what's even more interesting about it is at that time, that was very much my liminal timeline of when I got involved in the occult and was looking into it. Particularly, I had this fascination about reading about the history of alchemical concepts. So cool. at that age, I was really immersed in reading this book called The Philosopher's Stone by Peter Marshall. Yeah. I know that book. And in this book, 
that goes through the history of alchemical concepts originating in ancient Egypt, India, and China. There are these blurbs throughout this book where a lot of the stories of the origin of this magical science, this occult science, talks about how these things come down from the sky or these kind of ascended beings that sound a lot like modern day <laughs> extraterrestrials. Right. And it's interesting because it, the, the book didn't dwell on that kind of thing. It's a very doctorate view of, of this research, this alchemical history. It wasn't like a book that focuses on that strangeness, but there were always these weird blurbs. And it was around that time making connections to how these objects and these experiences are proudly tied in the stranger things. That book was very influential in allowing me to have some of those ideas. And it was at the peak of thinking about this and making that connection to the initiatory experience of what these things are mm. in terms of someone's knowledge that that occurrence happened. And I don't think that's to be overlooked. I think I was, I think in a lot of ways that was manifested particularly because of what I was looking into at the time. For sure. You know, and, and I can track that back. You know, when my mom was younger, she had some experiences. So, you know, I never consider myself someone who's an experiencer, but I also logically know that there is a disproportionate number of <laughs> strange things that I've experienced. And I, and I don't know if that's something, when you look at a timeline that's nonlinear, that can go forward and backward, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg kind mm -hmm. of thing. You know, like I'm involved in research in this case, like Hellier. Right. And I truly believe there are aspects of what we're doing now in the present that are probably bleeding into the past and are probably going to bleed into the future. You know, all of these things collide in the end. So I, I truly do believe there is something to what you're stating with Travis Walton. Mm -hmm. There certainly seems to be a current but again, that goes down to anybody that I think pursues this. Yeah. I do think there's a reason there are those who are called for this kind of thing and those who are not, you know, just depending on where you're at or what you're seeking out of this reality. And I can only speak to myself when I say I can see that current. And I do believe it's kind of always been ever present. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm grateful for it. It's it's changed my life. So and and it is much in line with a magical practice yeah for sure because i i realized that the pursuit of these mysteries it acts as a travel agent it's less about seeing the thing and more about what all these pursuits yeah. collectively have given me it's given me friendships and experiences that have helped develop me more as a person than anything else has in my life so, and that's so not agree. to be overlooked so, so agree with that one thing that I, I read somewhere the other day, and I, I can't, I think it was on Instagram or something, was, um, you know, you've heard the saying that uh, it's not about uh, the destination, it's about the journey. Uh, well, this yes. this took it one step further, and it said it's not about uh, the journey, it's about the companionship. Your your travel, mm -hmm. your travel. That's Lord of the Rings, yeah. It's mostly so, interesting. Yeah. Um, and so, in in the other thing I was going to say is. Um, it, things I, so along your timeline uh discussion point i think that things do happen um 
to influence or uh, support what you're going to experience later on in life. And, and, it, and it reminds me of the movie um, the Signs, where, you know, uh, the, the dude's wife gets pinned by the truck and she says nonsensical things that later in life become relevant. And so, sure. um, you know, that was more from a I think that the movie was trying to say it's more of like a religious type thing. But it really makes you think about, did you see that craft at that time in your life? Because either now or sometime in the future, that will become relevant to your journey. Um, I 100% agree with that. And in fact, I mean, I, I won't go into detail about this other incident, but there's one in particular that's not even that, that sticks out in my mind, having more direct ties to what we've done in the present, in in, <laughs> in particular to certain deities mm -hmm. that um, we discuss in season two. There are direct archetypal forms of a different manifestation that are direct archetypal variances of things we discuss in Hellier that I never thought I would have an answer for when I was growing up because they were so strange. Yeah. However, now they're crystal clear and that continues to happen. There, there's a lot of things in my life and a lot of thoughts I've had that are now crystallizing in a more clear fashion yeah. and they're revealing themselves to me more and more the further we go along with this pursuit and it makes more sense and so like it's fundamentally changed my thinking too or now like <laughs> even when it comes to like modern or present day problem solving i i don't think linearly anymore i I kind of bounce forward and backward and weigh. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like a it's like a magnetism <laughs> where it's like it it pulls from both ends, and so like it, I think differently, I learn differently, and I think the phenomena very much operates that way, yeah. um, and it's worked. You know, I I think I, I've stated this in private, you know, amongst different intervals to the crew involved but i i truly do believe that we're probably also doing things subconsciously all the time that we probably don't realize why we're doing that yeah. in the present um that's not to say that i think we're being manipulated not not at all but i do think that we're probably plugged into a subconscious current that's bleeding into our present yep. you know for every little strange quirk we may have every little thing that we do you know that's a good example you brought up the numbers with connor if you look into all the quirks of connor and how he looks at numbers and how he has this subtle obsession with looking at numbers and adding them up it's very strange mm -hmm. when you put that into the context of him taking this number sequence and figuring this data out you know like well there was a number sequence at all and he was involved right, right? right. like that and, and and the symbolism too i don't know how many people caught this but if you look at his wrist while he is writing these numbers down on his marker board he literally has the number three tattooed on his wrist and um that has to you know i won't get into his story but it has to do with you know an aspect of his medical history yeah, yeah he's talked to you know so it's it. yeah <laughs> it's fascinating when you when you look at those layers of symbolism that leads someone to their involvement in something like this you know and then that's not to diminish 
Connor's story to say like, oh, well, his only purpose was <laughs> no. to tell you that. It's just showing, yeah. it's just showing that different people with different strengths have come together for some kind of message, you know, and that's, you know, I don't know exactly what that is or if there even is an end game. You know, there, again, there's a lot of different branches and I think there's a lot of different answers for different people. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a beautiful um, connection to pointing that out. Yep. Um, those different functions. And let's be well, clear. Here. Connor's purpose is dogs. Hell, you're a second. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's put that on the table and leave it where <laughs> it's true. Um, <laughs> the Randall family is a family of saints. Oh, well, I love him talking. He talked to us about how he figured out his name basically means lover of dogs. <laughs> like, so wild. So crazy. But that's what I mean. Again, well, now you have names, yeah, right? right? The importance of yeah. names. I, I do think there's something to that. <clears throat> you know, like something interesting you brought up um tenny tenny actually pointed this out to me once when we were sitting at a table we were eating breakfast actually at, a, at an event in michigan and he pointed out how the name strand so like i don't know if you guys know this but the word clue is derivative from a greek word that means string and it's because when you look at tales of the labyrinth and how someone navigates literally the labyrinth into the center, much like a cavern. Mm-hmm. Um, the word clue comes from string because that's how you find your way. Wow, I did not um, know that. Strand. And and when you look at how that string is created in that myth, you know, there's aspects or versions where it's like, oh, it's uh, the hair from Ariadne mm-hmm. tied together that helps, um, you know, the hero make his way out of the labyrinth. So it's interesting that I'm someone who ends up delving into cavern systems. I I've connected the importance or the you know the power behind the symbolism of labyrinths. Mm. You know, my last name is Strand. I'm a strand that <laughs> that helps lead through the cave system. That's so funny because um, the black tapes. If you ever listen to black tapes, they've got Richard Strand, who is like the big skeptic on the show. It's you know it's fictionalized, but <laughs> that's his whole thing. He has the Strand Institute. And I'm like, I don't think they even realized <laughs> why they were naming him Richard Strand because what you're saying fits his character to a T. Like, because <laughs> that's his whole. Thing, so strange is finding clues. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well then I, I know in the doc too you know just to play on funny name things I hope people aren't reading too much in one thing just <laughs> no, in my mind but, but like, well, it's, gonna, it's, okay. but, but like, <laughs> it's gonna be a subreddit it's gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> but you know Greg Greg points out in the documentary too which I think is fascinating how you have the stories of Robert Kirk and the secret commonwealth mm-hmm. and how Robert Kirk revealed these secrets of the Fae, which ultimately led to his demise and possible abduction by the Fae. And then you have this weird thing where it's like, how strange is it that he's the new, new Kirk? Kirk? Right. Yeah. So it's like, you know, well, so and- I don't know. I, you know, I don't know how much you should read. Well, it's like, I just took names, it. I but just- it, it's a fascinating, well, it's a fascinating <clears throat> sub investigation. I have a, <laughs> one of my best friends, his last name is Kirk. And uh, he did an origin of his name, and, and Kirk comes from uh, an, Ir- an Irish word for church. Church, yes. And so you know, New Kirk would be New Church. So uh, the New and Church. And a lot of people yeah. look at Hellier as their New Church. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. It's very interesting, but yeah, well, it's, that's neither yeah, here. Yeah, it's like uh, <laughs> so. Uh, my last name is Gearhart, and my mother's maiden name is Krieger. 
And if you do the origins on the words of those, Krieger, of course, means warrior. And Gearheart means spear. It's a hard spear. It's the weapon of the warrior. And when I found that out, I was like, holy shit. Like, it was just this weird, <laughs> weird combination that uh, they go together way too well. <laughs> yeah, it, it's strange. And, and like I said, I don't know, you know, maybe some of that's just coincidence and, and such. But, you know, I, I don't. I don't dwell too much on things like that that are so high concept, but it right. is interesting when, you know, there is an aspect, maybe, allegedly, of, of some of this phenomena springing up around certain names. Certain names seem to be relevant, more relevant than others proportionately uh, when you when you look at certain things. So it's, it's fascinating to always keep that in the back of your mind. For so sure. when you, you know, you mentioned the numbers, you know, like I said, I think every single one of us has looked at the cipher at some point in time and referenced it you know mm -hmm. i always do personally for different different things i just cheat and, uh, and email alan now i'm like here put this in because <laughs> i look at like the 50 results and i'm like i don't get it and he i just email him and he's like here's what it means <laughs> i love i love I love Greenfield. He has that fun. He has that fun trickster energy yes, that I, he I, is I dive for into sure. at times myself. <laughs> um, I love it. But yeah, I mean, I've got, uh, I have the cipher uh, bookmark on all my computers. I just <laughs> randomly walk into any room and go out Amazon just, devices. <laughs> I wonder what this is. And, uh, you know, the side, you know, well, and then, and then when you look at, when you look at the cipher as like how Terry wrist used it, where, where he, you know, he uh, didn't look at um, what the result was in, you know, the book, but really like he used it truly as a cipher to encode a different word uh, mm. in the cipher. And so um, when you look at it that way, then you start to, you know, like I wish that there was, um, if you go to the advanced cipher, you can bump it up to a bunch of other books like the Bible and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's true. You, you can apply it to other texts. And uh, um, I wish there was an Oxford dictionary that it applied it to or something so you can see what other English words you know, <laughs> just fit within that. Well, you, you know, without revealing anything, I actually have an, uh, an idea I'd like to experiment with a certain text that I think might be a key. Um, that I don't believe has ever been applied to the cipher. Mm. But that's a story for another nah, You son of a bitch! <laughs> well, let's just go ahead and get the show and then you can tell us. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, though. Well, well, I, I need to I, I need to find somebody to help me. I mean, I know who, um, but someone needs to plug this text in cipher but fantastic we'll see well tyler we won't keep you forever man that that actually is a pretty good stopping point but man i, I mean we could just <laughs> hey it might, it might be nothing it's just another random no point. we yeah, did, no, we're I, the I same mean, thing. i don't mean to make it sound i don't mean to make it sound like some big thing it's really nothing it's just a personal thought that i've just been that's okay wondering this old man so. in the sea we know it's fine <laughs> <laughs> well i mean that's you know i, I went through the I've spent many nights staying up late and creating all new ciphers based yep, on <laughs> ciphers from, you know, using the numbers and, and the, the weird spaced letters from the emails, everything else coming up with my own ciphers to see if anything is applicable. So I've been there. It's okay. It's, you know, pull, pull at those strands. 
Oh, I <laughs> there you go. Pull up those strands. That's exactly right. Uh, but Tyler, thank you so much, man, for for just taking your time with us. I know we said it took a minute, but I'm so glad it happened when it did because this was <laughs> yeah. the uh, perfect time for it, man. I've just enjoyed every second of this conversation. Uh, I I enjoyed it too. It was a lot of fun. And and anytime, if you guys want me back, just let me know. Yes, and okay. it it will happen for sure because uh, like I, we love to laugh and we love to explore the paranormal. And we love the occult and all that and I, we need to get uh alan greenfield on too and have all four of us this show will oh, last yeah. five oh, hours would be a blast <laughs> i would i would be down for oh that. man it would be so much he'd love it too he's nuts <laughs> yeah. man we had him on uh again doing secret societies and like every five oh, seconds josh is talking he's like well now wait a minute <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you, you know why it would be a treat too is because like even you know, all this time has passed since Hellier, and like I've actually never personally communicated with him, oh, so it would just should. be fun oh, to just yeah. be able to chat. With he him is so because, like, easily chattable, man. Like I'm telling oh, you. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. I, he is something <laughs> else, tell. man. He is something <laughs> else. I, I love it, man. But yeah, thank you so much, man. And as, before we go, I always, you know, like to say, is there anything that you wanted to let people know about, or anything like that besides the norm? That we could help oh, push God. out there for Let you. Think. So, so for one, I mean, I can only assume. <laughs> I can only assume that if they've made it this far, they've probably watched. If Hellier, they if haven't, not. I don't know why they're listening. If to they haven't, <laughs> if they, if they, yeah, right. I was gonna say, if they haven't, you can watch all of Hellier on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. It's on Amazon Prime, and if you don't have Amazon Prime, it's all for free on YouTube. You can also find every episode in order on the Hellier website, which is hellier.tv. We have everything there for free. We even have a merch store if that interests anybody. And if anyone is curious about following me or seeing what I'm up to, I post the most on Instagram. Um, You know, just random musings, whether it be art or some of my explorations, that is blackwolf26 is the handle. And my Twitter, is t underscore stranded if anyone is curious about following me so yep. i don't have a website at the moment but i'll be working on that so if yeah, yeah. curious and about I'll, I'll, to, you can find me there. i'll be tagging both those uh tags for you when we put this out as well so that people can follow because yeah it, it's fun to follow so um <laughs> and then, <laughs> it is i love it man i have one last question for you um, yeah sure thing uh, any any last uh, last three books you read that uh, you think people should should read? Oh God, that's a tough one. Last three books. So I'm gonna be biased. I actually have some of them right next to me. The last three books I've been reading that I think give a really good insight, you know, in the cryptids or stranger aspects, and they're new. So this is actually a good good selection to mention here. Um, Timothy Renner and Joshua Cutchin both great researchers. They just finished two volumes of a book called Where the Footprints End, volume one and volume two. Um, I'm almost done with the second volume here. Um, I read the first one, they're great. It delves into all the high strangeness connections in Bigfoot reports, things that you wouldn't expect to hear from a cryptid sighting. You know, it delves into everything from folklore to mythology to fey connections and extraterrestrial connections, you know? So everything's strange. Um, That's been my current read. I really dig it. So Where the Footprints End, 
Um, I'm trying to think something that would connect into the larger whole that's on that same note. Check out the Mothman prophecies. That's always a good staple, yep. as well <laughs> as something like Passport to Magonia yes. by Jacques Vallée. That's very much in line with um, um, what's the the structure of where the footprints end very much um, takes a lot of its intuitive base from um, Jacques Vallée's work something of else, Passport man. to Magonia. So between those... <laughs> those three books um i think you would get a pretty weird overview of the phenomena and it should spark some new ideas in you so i would recommend checking those thanks ones out. man because i have not heard of where the footprints end so i will be checking that out yeah. for sure oh it's great and and they literally just came out Sweet. like within the year Sweet. um the second one just came out like not even like a month ago or a little over a month ago so they're fresh and they're great yeah i've been slowly introducing <laughs> my nephew who's a teenager uh to keel and i got him for christmas i got him operation trojan horse and so he oh, demolished it. it and his birthday is march so i'm sending him mothman prophecies i'm like get ready and then <laughs> it's a, it's a tower one. will follow next christmas so. <laughs> but tyler tyler strain ladies and gentlemen thank yep. you so much man uh we really appreciate it sir thank you guys until next time Thank you very much, Tyler Strand. You the man. I love that man so much. Oh, my goodness. So much energy in that. So, so much, energy. much energy. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, but, yeah, we guys, if you haven't watched Hellier yet, good Lord, watch Hellier, okay? If if for anything, just watch Tyler because he well, is yeah. he's it, a he's a show to himself. I would watch a whole spinoff with just him. <laughs> and, and and I would and I would say for those maybe who haven't watched Hellier yet or worried, you know, want to know what it is. Don't go into Hellier expecting to see goblins. Right. Go into Hellier expecting to see a very thorough investigation with all aspects of the investigation fully fleshed out. Yep. And, and know that it is an ongoing investigation. Correct. Um, yep. it, it is not resolved yet, but that makes it even more deep because more, Oh yeah. More streams are out there. But, uh, if you enjoyed what you heard, know this, there's actually close to about 30 more minutes of conversation with Tyler Strand that actually took place after we finished the initial recording. Uh, and we're actually going to have that uh, made available for our patrons on Patreon. So if you have not become a member of Patreon yet, now would be a good time. Uh, you can quickly do that by going to fearscapepodcast.com slash support. And there you can become a patron and there you'll be able to access the uh, extended, I guess, interview with Tyler Strand. It's another close, like I said, close to 30 minutes and it has some really deep and really good information in that as well that you do not want to miss. Anyways, I want to get moving on, Josh, so we can get home. Um, but I want to get to our listener story of the week. I'm doing another UAP sighting uh, because uh, yesterday we just released my Misters of the Dark episode with horror authors Anna Temperley and our friend Lindsay Behe. Lindsay Behe has submitted a number of stories to our show in the past, as well as Tales from the Fearscape. She sent a show that I took out of her book. Um, well, she sent us this UAP sighting, and I was already planning on using it this week, and she brought it up in the Misters of the Dark episode. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, go to fearscapemedia.com slash MOTD 
podcast and listen to Anna and Lindsay and you'll hear her firsthand story of this, what I'm going to read to you. Um, so this is Lindsay. She lives down in Texas, a horror author of Paranormalish, which is a great book, by the way. Um, go check that out. But here's Lindsay's story. Driving through the middle of nowhere, Texas, on the way to New Mexico. So much in the middle of nowhere that I had absolutely no cell signal. And I couldn't even pick up a radio station. All of a sudden, a bright light dropped straight down far ahead of me. I tried to tell myself it was a meteor, but I've never seen one go down across the sky like that. It went straight down versus across the sky. It seemed so strange to me that as I approached the next town, where all I could see was the glow of light pollution, I was convinced that I was about to come across the landed, crashed UFO. But it turned out to be the city lights. But let me tell you, afterwards, I did so much research trying to figure out if it was a meteor or not that happened in the area. I didn't find anything on it wow. Ooh, and talking to Lindsay on the other show she wasn't alone so she wasn't the only person that saw that so there you know there were other people in the car with her that saw that and yeah when they were coming up on that town they were like that's not a town that's a space station <laughs> <laughs> well and if you know you know if there's any story out there that tells you when you see a bright light uh, in the distance on the horizon. Uh, if you're not sure it's a town, cautiously approach would be the Travis Walton story. Yes, yes. Which, man, I'm reading his book right now. Woo! Woo, he jumped straight into it, man. Um, but, yeah, thank you, Lindsay, for sending us that story. God, we lo- I love your stories, man. Your real ones, your your ones you write fiction-wise, they're all just phenomenal. And I'm always so, so absolutely pleased that you send those in. People, you can send in your story to us at fearscapepodcast at gmail.com or go to fearscapepodcast.com, submit a sighting, or there's a chat icon. Find us at fearscapepod on all of our social media. Send us it there. I don't care. Smoke signals. Yell out where it's echoey. I don't care. Just find us because we want your listener stories. We absolutely love them. Send us UAP sightings. Send us ghost sightings, cryptid sightings. Nobody sees me but you. Shut up. Um, but yeah, we're, we love those stories. Um, but Josh, we're going to get out of here. Um, just want to remind people before we go to download the Fearscape Media Network app, which is available on the Google Play Store. Um, it's such a sweet app. It has all, all, all the all the shows all the all the shows, all the shows the media on the network <laughs> that are that are the podcast shows which by the way speaking of Lindsay, um one of the reasons i wanted to share her story this week is because her and anna temperley the other author are they have a podcast that's going to be joining our network um called ghosts in the attic and bodies in the basement and it starts saint patrick's day is the first episode that will be coming out be be on the lookout on the fearscape media network uh group fan page for uh, more information about it coming out but they will be covering paranormal and true crime 
uh, like it ain't nobody's business. They love true crime. They both love paranormal. Um, so you're going to get paranormal stories. You're going to get true crime stories. And sometimes you're going to get stories that cross. Um, but they've given me a little hint that for St. Patty's Day, since they're starting it, they wanted to honor the Irish. So they're going to be talking about some really sweet Irish scary folklore. So wow. be on the lookout. That's called uh, Ghosts in the Attic and Bodies in the Basement. <laughs> like, <laughs> Great but yeah, you'll be able to find them on fearscapemedia.com uh, where you can find all the other podcasts and all that stuff. But good Lord, we love you guys. And don't forget to go to fearscapemedia.com slash support all through the month of March. Make sure to, you know, send us five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever you can to help us. And if you wanted to go specifically to Fearscape Paranormal Podcast, just throw that in the byline and let us know. Or likewise for any of our other great podcasts. Yep. Oh, yeah. Review us. That'd be fantabulous. Mm-hmm. Yep. Make sure to review us, rate us, share us like we are your stepsister <laughs> and uh, all that jazz. But Josh, we got to get out of here. You got anything you want to throw out there? Uh, just a reminder that uh, fearscapepodcast.com uh, slash support also has a link to our Patreon if you're interested in mm-hmm. uh, getting involved in Patreon and, and joining uh, joining the journey via a private uh, Patreon and Facebook group. And uh, we get, we you know, share a lot of our ideas and theories before we get on here mm-hmm. and share our ideas and theories and give you an opportunity to chime in and opine on uh, any one of those things. Right. Be a hardcore blanket hugger, y'all. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Be a hardcore blanket hugger. Um, but yeah, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Again, make sure to check out check out Hellier. You can find it on Amazon Prime and YouTube to go see my boy Tyler Strand, Crazy Boy McGee. And uh, we got to get out of here. Thank you guys so much for listening to Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. This has been Stefan. Keep your eyes on the skies. This has been Josh. The truth is now. And remember, folks, hold those blankets extra tight because things tend to get spooky when you're listening to Fearscape. Good night, everybody. Good night. We hope you have enjoyed this guidepost on the road of high strangeness with us. And we thank you, as always, for listening and joining our caravan to the weird and unknown. Please consider supporting us as we continue our journey to find the answers we all seek. Fearscapepodcast.com forward slash support.